Also from my side, welcome. It's a special morning for us. Those of you who are visiting, my name is Jonathan. It's a great privilege for me uh, not just to share today's sermon, but to lead together with a group of elders um, this amazing congregation. And uh, if I say amazing, not in boasting about us, but in thankfulness for, for who God is when we gather as a church. And, and today is a special, special morning. It's what we call our Thanksgiving Sunday. And um, the heart behind this morning is that as we near to the end of the year, as we enter into the festive season, that we pause and we stop and we reflect back over a year. We celebrate a bit. We celebrate the things that we are thankful for. And therefore, this morning looks different. If you're visiting us, uh, it's not always the way we're doing stuff. It's not always the way we would preach. It's a very specific Sunday of celebration, of thankfulness. And in our thankfulness, we're not celebrating any other name but the name of God. Wanna lay that foundation this morning. We're not here to boast about the greatness of every nation's one in Wallows. In our celebration and thankfulness, we're celebrating God's grace of our lives. And that's the heart of this morning. It's not just saying thank you. It's lifting up God and giving Him honor for everything that we got to experience. We reflect back over this year, we say, thank you, God, that you've graced us in such a way that we could fulfill the calling that we believe you've placed on us. So if you would allow me this morning, I want to run through some of our highlights this year, and I'll probably not be able to do everything, and there might be some highlights that you think we missed, and, uh, and this is just a general overview of some of the things that we're thankful for as a church. We want to start off by just celebrating spiritual family. We are so thankful. I shared with our staff and with some other people uh, just what we got to experience as a spiritual family this last year. Uh, um, thinking back a year ago, we had still some restrictions, and we couldn't sit next to each other the way we're sitting. I was trying to remember last night the amount of chairs we were allowed to pack out last year this time. And I think, and I might be wrong, I don't want to lie, but I think we're almost double the amount of chairs being packed out than last year this time. And therefore, we celebrate that we could have a whole year of gathering as a church without any restrictions. I think the last two years, the last three years have taught us that we shouldn't just take these moments for granted. We're thankful. Um, Renee mentioned it this morning, we had our Carols by Candlelight event Friday evening, which was fantastic. Those of you who joined us, thank you so much for coming out and embracing the weather. But we had such a great moment. But the reality is we've been planning that event for three years. And it's been canceled and canceled. And the first time in three years we could do that. And we don't just want to go and say, yeah, take it for granted. We want to be thankful that we had the privilege of gathering, whether it's on a Sunday or at special events or just in our small groups, we want to be thankful for the privilege of gathering as a church. It's important that we come together. As an individual, you have the privilege of experiencing God in a personal relationship. 
but there's something about God that we'll only experience in the community of believers. We're thankful for this community of believers and that we could come together. We're thankful that we've seen a, a growth in our worship service attendance. Uh, on average throughout the year, we've seen that on most Sundays, on this premises, more than 650 people are being ministered to. This is adults, this is you sitting here, it's the children there being ministered there in the back, it's our youth that's being ministered to, it's our evening service, it's our campus students. On average, 650 people are being ministered to on a Sunday. Now, we're not chasing numbers, and for some of you, you might go 650, that's all. If you know where we started, we're so thankful that we have the privilege of ministering to people. So thankful that we can gather and we have different generational ministries. We're thankful for every person's life that has changed in a moment like this. Every person that's come to faith. We can celebrate today, and there's some photos, and as I'm talking, you will see some of the photos. We could celebrate some of the baptisms that took place this year. Significant moments when people say, I choose to follow Jesus, and out of a place of obedience to what He has called us to, I want to publicly declare that I'm following Him, that I'm a new person because of what He's done, and getting, getting baptized. We've seen so many baptisms taking place here in our spiritual family, and we're thankful for that. We had the privilege of having different men's and women's events this year. Some of you attended these events, great spiritual family moments. Thankful for what happened on those moments. And then I want to specifically highlight and celebrate our volunteers. Currently, we've got 292 people serving in our church. From my side and behalf of our leaders, I want to thank each one of you that's serving. One of the major hearts and components of us as a church is a serving culture. And I cannot overemphasize that we would not be able to do what we do if it weren't for people that was willing to serve on a Sunday. And the heart behind serving is creating such a space and place for people that people can encounter God. And when we say serving, we're not just thinking about people standing on the stage like our bands, which I know is doing so much more than what we see. It's people that's willing to give their time. It's to make coffee so that people can gather afterwards and have experience friendship and fellowship. It's so that people can experience something of the character of God in our interactions. It's our hosting team welcoming people. It's, it's people that's packing out the chairs so that you can sit comfortable. It's people that's arranging communion. It's normal people that prepares every week a lesson to impart into our children's lives. It's people that's willing to walk with our youth and say, I'm going to re-emphasize what your mom and dad is saying so that you would know what Jesus is calling you to. It's people serving. Thank you. Thank you for serving in our church. Thank you for being the heart of our church. I want to thank every person who invited someone to church this year whether it was a worship service like this or a victory training or whatever, thank you to every one of you that was willing to, in faith, go and ask someone, hey, would you come and join me? Would you come and visit me? Would you come and be part of what we're doing? Sometimes that takes great faith. 
But we don't grow as a church because of great preaching and amazing bands. You can, but that's not the church what we believe we're called to. We believe we're called to be a disciple-making church. And part of being a disciple-making church is that every person has the ability to be a witness for Jesus. Thank you to each one of you that's been a witness to Jesus this year. Not just in the way that you live, but in willingness to invite people. May we never stop inviting people into community. It's such a vital part of who we are as a church. And if we reflect back over this year, we can testify that you've been inviting people. You've been a witness. Thank you so much. We're thankful for who we are as a spiritual family. I already alluded to this, but we're thankful that we can celebrate that we're not just a disciple-making family in words, but that we see it in our actions as well. Currently, as a church, we have 244 connect groups. Um, That is a significant number. Those of you who don't know what's a connect group, it's a discipleship small group. It's a group where we intentionally walk with people and lay spiritual foundations in their lives. 244 people at least being discipled. If we think there's two people in every connect group, we can say there's close to 500 people in our church that's being discipled by normal people like you. From this 244, 198 connect group leaders. That's amazing, guys. We can really be excited about this. I don't know about you. 198, let's say 200 people. It's 200 people that apart from their family responsibilities, work responsibilities, and all the other demands of life say, I am called to be a disciple maker. And I've reached out to people. And I'm weekly spending time with them, investing in their lives. To each one of our connect group leaders. I want to say a massive thank you. Even if we stop gathering as a worship service together, this is the heartbeat of our church. It's discipleship. And if you're not part of a discipleship group, I really, really want to encourage you that this will be something that you prioritize in the next year. That you would prioritize to become part of a connect group. Because I'm not saying this lightly. This is the heartbeat of our church. It's discipleship. And we're not just celebrating numbers through discipleship. We believe that in an intentional relationship of laying foundations, people are growing more and more into the image of Jesus. They are becoming the men and women that God created them to be. They are walking into their calling that God has placed on their lives. Thank you to every connect group leader. We can celebrate that we had some trainings this year. Uh, we We had an incredible turnout Our victory training, we ministered to 229 people throughout this year. I'm making disciples training that 76 people. Our equip school had a massive 183 people. If you don't know what's equip school during May, June, it's a six-week course or training where people can do different modules. 183 people committing to that. Our discipleship conference, we saw 180 of you join us for that conference. And the reason why we celebrate this training is, again, not numbers. We're celebrating that 229 people got ministered to, to walk in freedom that Jesus has for them. That's what we're celebrating. And thank you for every person that serves and ministers at our victory training. 
you can quickly do the math. 229 divided by 4, because that's the amount of trainings that we have. I'm not going to do it. Can someone quickly help me? It's close to 60, 55, there around. Uh, people on a weekend. Who of you know to minister to 55 people personally takes almost double the amount of people. And there's so many of you that's willing to come in to pray with someone, that's come in, willing to set up the logistics. So this morning we're not just celebrating um, that, we're celebrating our volunteers. With, again, I want to say we want to celebrate that 229 people had the ability to walk in the freedom that Jesus has for them. In our equip school, the discipleship training, we're celebrating that people are being equipped to minister. I hope you know that we don't build around professionals in our church. We believe everyone is called to be a minister. And therefore, these trainings is highlighting that we believe God has graced us so that we can fulfill the calling that is placed on our lives. And that every person has the ability to be equipped to be a minister. I want to encourage you, if you didn't do any of these trainings, commit to doing it next year. I loved how um, my wife shared how someone in her connect group or in her leadership group shared how someone else challenged her. In, in life, we have all these goals. In my work, I want to achieve this. And in my family, I want to achieve this. I want to lay in front of you today. Where do you see yourself in this spiritual family a year from now? And what do you want to grow? And what do you want to be equipped to be a minister? Today, we're thankful that as a church, we're giving people the opportunity to grow. We want to celebrate our generational ministries. I'm thankful this year that we can um, just celebrate that we've been able to minister. And if you were here last week, you would know the emphasis that we're placing on generational ministries. We don't want that what God has placed in our hands to stop with us. We need to be faithful with the next generation, the future church, the future leaders of our nation and the world. And we can celebrate this year that we've been able to minister to our kids. We've been able to uh, minister to our youth. We've seen growth in our youth ministry. We've seen more and more youth being added. Uh, to give you an idea, we average 100 children on a Sunday that's being ministered to. Again, thank you so much to everyone that's serving at our kids' church, that's serving at our youth. Our youth are close to between 30 and 50 youth on a Sunday. Um, this year, we saw a campus ministry really flourishing in our church. If you're here on the evening, you would see there's a vibe. I don't know if you've ever seen like a group of this building being filled with people under the age of 23. Well, if you're my age, you walk in here and you feel a little bit insecure. They challenge stuff. If you've seen a group of young people just abandon everything in worshiping God. If you haven't been to one of our evening services, I really want to encourage you. It will bless your heart to see what God is doing through the next generation. Thankful for that. Thankful that we're a multi-generational church. This morning would not be right if I, if I don't emphasize a culture of generosity. If you're part of our church for a while or you're new, you would, you would fairly quickly pick up. We don't take up tithes and offering in our service. This is not something that we highlight every Sunday. And there's nothing wrong with churches doing that. I'm just saying who we are. 
And it's important that we clarify who we are. We believe through discipleship. A big part of following Jesus submitting to the Lordship of, of Christ. Meaning we submit all that we have, everything we do, unto His rulership. And therefore, through discipleship, we speak about finances. There would be odd occasions where we'll highlight it here on a stage. There would be moments where we'll speak into generosity and finances because it's something that Jesus spoke into a lot. But it's such a privilege to lead a church where I never as a leader have to ask for money. It's such a privilege to lead a church where money is not the main thing. It's such a privilege to lead a church where you can see that people are honoring God through their finances. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to honor each one of you that's faithful in your tithing. I don't see who tithe and who don't. I just get a summary at the end of the month. And I can honestly say that this congregation is a generous congregation. I can honestly say that this church is faithful with their finances. Thank you. Thank you for honoring God. Not just giving your money to the church. Thank you for honoring God through your finances. Thank you for being faithful in your tithing. Thank you to every person that partners with someone on our staff. Every person that is partnering with one of our church plants. Every person that's partnering with our reach initiative. Thank you to every person that's giving to our social responsibility. Thank you for every business owner that's committed to our bursary program. It is such a privilege to know that we're a generous church. And it's not that we're just a generous church. It's something about the heart of God, a generous God, that's being reflected through your faithfulness. It's such a joy that I can testify this morning that we as a church, not just through your generosity, but we as a spiritual family, have been able to be generous towards others. We are giving, I don't know if you know this, but Certain amount that comes in, 10% of what we receive, we give to every nation in South Africa. We're tithing into the family that we believe God has placed us to. We're giving away from that what we receive. We're giving it to our citywide church to see all our churches being um, healthy. We are giving away to our church plants. We are giving away personally. We've been able to help families go through difficult financial situations this year. We've been able to faithfully partner with our church plants and bless them because of your faithfulness. A fairly low percentage of what we receive as a church goes for the operating of this church. We can be generous because you're generous. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. One of our SR projects that I want to highlight this morning now, if you don't know, our SR stands for our social responsibility, is Project Tepu. Now, this is a project, now we have different projects as well, and unfortunately today I can't mention all the projects, but this is one that we really want to celebrate this year. Project Tepu started uh, last year in August, and it's a specific project that wants to reach children in Almapias, and now, almost a year later, more than a year later, um, we can really testify of some of the fruit from this project. I want to thank these nine committed volunteers that on a weekly basis goes out to Namapias 
and helps these children with the Offer School program. And through this, we've seen that through this initiative, we've been able to start five connect groups there in Amalfias through these children. It's five discipleship groups. From this five, seven of those children started attending our church. We've seen one baptism come from this ministry. And we're just so thankful that we're impacting in a really small way in Amalfias. Thank you, those of you who are serving there. Again, I mentioned our, our church plants. I want to say it was such a privilege to be part of a church that is not just about us, but about what God is doing in the nations. I can keep you busy the whole morning speaking specifically about these three, let's call it regions. Our church in the Netherlands, Utrecht, is doing phenomenally. I cannot overemphasize Proud. Philip Marika was sent from this church. I cannot tell you how proud I am of them. In Europe, church is dead. And what they are doing is, is a miracle. They have started gathering as a church on Sundays for the last year. And it's just started slowly, slowly started to grow. They are doing it through connect groups, the way we're building. They're at a place where next year, probably February, they're going to start to gather as a church on a weekly basis. They're moving to a bigger venue. They're moving to a bigger venue <laughs> because there's just too many people. In Europe, churches are moving to smaller venues. This is a miracle. And you're part of it. You sitting here this morning is having an influence in Europe. Having an influence in, in the Netherlands. Okay. Wesley and Yanni in Maputo. <laughs> they took over that church plant a year ago. It was August a year ago. In really difficult circumstances, they were part of our Hatfield Church at that stage, and we asked, we needed leaders to go, and we asked them, would you consider to go? There's a group of people that needs a leader, and they went, <laughs> in fear and trembling, <laughs> and when they got there, it was not what they expected, <laughs> and difficult situations, they took over a group of people there, they lost m most of the people, and they had to start from scratch. They've done an incredible job in reaching students on our Maputo campus. They've grown um, to a place where they have actual people that they can minister to. I'm so proud of what they're doing. I can't tell you the tears and the sweat that these church planters have to go through, especially them as a couple, expecting something and then turning out that it wasn't there, and they stayed faithful. We've been able to send missions team to, the, to them this year. And we've just been able to see a growth in our Maputo church. We're excited for what's happening there. We're excited. They, again, are looking at a different venue where they can gather just because of the growth. Again, I want to say, you being part of our church has an influence in Maputo. East Africa region, Kampala specifically, we've been able to be part of 
what's happening in that church plant there. Harry and Wendy has been there a couple of times. We're sending another mission team now at the end of the year. We, we introduced them a couple of weeks ago. We're so thankful for what's happening in East Africa. And we really believe that God has called us to reach Africa and Europe. East Africa is one of our main mandates. Thankful this morning that God is using us in these areas. So some of the highlights of if we look back over here of what God has been doing through this spiritual family. And I've said quite a lot, thank you to each one of you. If you're visiting us this morning, you're part of this. <laughs> thank you. Can we take a moment and thank God? Could you, if you're here with family and friends, just for a moment, if you're here alone, you're welcome to on your own, just take a minute and thank God for one thing that I mentioned on the screen. It's one thing that stood out for you. And just say, thank you, God, as a spiritual family. Let's worship Him now. Let's just pray for one minute. Father, we just thank you for your goodness of our lives. We thank you that you've been with this spiritual family in such a significant way that we can celebrate everything that we're sharing this morning. And Lord, in sharing this, we're not taking anything for ourselves. We're not taking any honor for ourselves. We're just acknowledging your grace, your provision, and your goodness. And we say thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can be part of what you're doing in this community, in this church, but also in the nations. We love you, Lord, and it's our greatest privilege to know and to follow you. Amen. <clears throat> Being thankful is important. I don't know, I hope you would agree with me. Um, thankfulness is an important attribute. That's why parents try and teach their children, or I think parents do this, Say thank you. 
not just take whatever they receive for granted. Do not raise a generation that's entitled, thinking that they deserve everything. There's, a, there's, a, there's something good in saying thank you. It's important. Uh, fairly recently, I, I, I helped someone, and for clarity, it's not someone in our church, not something um, specific here. Yeah, otherwise, some of you might be wondering uh, that I might be alluding to something. I was just helping someone with something specific. I want to intentionally be vague. And I didn't do it to receive a thank you. But afterwards, when they didn't say thank you, that was just something that stood out. I spoke to my wife and I said, it feels strange. It's not that I expected it, but I really think I, I helped them. And there's just nothing in return. So a life without thankfulness just doesn't feel right. Just doesn't. When you invite someone to your home and you have this amazing meal prepared for them and they just leave uh, and you don't get that message, hey, it was so nice, thank you for your hospitality. You go, uh, what? Are they angry that we missed something? Just being thankful is important. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. See, there's something about the presence of God that we experience through thankfulness. I believe there's something that happens with us. Yes, God is always with us, but when we enter a place of thanksgiving, when we really thank God for who he is, there's something about his presence and his character that we get to experience. Like the psalm says, we enter his gates. There's something powerful behind being thankful. What does, what, what does it mean to be thankful? Is it just saying thank you? See, in general, I believe most of us would, would agree and being thankful means to show gratitude for something that you experienced or received. If we were to ask the question, what is thankfulness? That, that's probably the general answer, but to show gratitude for something you received or experienced. And there's nothing wrong with this expression of thankfulness. That's part of what we've been doing this morning. We're saying thank you for what we've received and experienced. There's nothing wrong in that expression of thankfulness. But when it comes to God, what if thankfulness is more than just saying thank you? If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want us to turn to Matthew 2. So Matthew 2 is one of the accounts that we read in the Christmas season. It's the account, if you grew up in church, you would know the story very well of the wise men that came and visited Jesus. So if you have a Bible, we're going to read four verses, Matthew 2, verse 1 and 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, now here's a shocker, wise men. Those of you who grew up with three wise men, it's not biblical, I'm so sorry. Okay. It's just wise men. We don't know how many. Okay. Okay. All that children Bibles with the three guys pitching up, I'm so sorry. But wise men, we know it's at least two 
but we know it's not limited to two. Wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, if you know the story, you would know that these wise men pitching in Jerusalem were created such a commotion that Herod found it out about it. Therefore, I believe it might have been more than two. It might have been more than three because it created a commotion in the city. It's not just three people entering our community. There was wise men. They looked different. They acted different. They came and you could see there's something about, different about them. And it created a commotion in the city. And then if you have time, please go and read the full account and how Herod want to find out who's this king of the Jews. And he asked for the Pharisees and the scribes to come and tell him what's the prophecy. And then he tells them, well, you go and find this king. And when you find him, come, come tell me where he is. Herod was the king of the Jews at that stage. And then he lied to them and he said, well, because I want to also give him honor, knowing that he wants to kill him. Please do go and read. But for today, these were wise men coming from the east, searching for the king of the Jews. It's interesting that the first mention from, let's say, a pagan society of Jesus, the king of the Jews, is the same reference that would stand over the cross over Jesus' head, the king of the Jews. Verse 10 to 11. As now they found him, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, like I mentioned, if you grew up in church, if you know the Christmas story, you might be familiar with this account. But have you ever wondered, what's the significance of this story? Why is this story included in the Bible, and how is it relevant for us today? What's, what should we learn from the encounter of the wise men with Jesus? Think about it. We know very little about these wise men. We know they're not Jews, so they're not expecting the Messiah. They're not expecting someone that would come and redeem them and save them. We know they're also referred to, depending on the Bible version you're reading, as the Magi, meaning uh, priests and experts in mysteries. We know they came from the East, most probably from a kingdom spanning from modern-day Iraq and Iran. They traveled far. The fact that they referred to as wise men must tell us they had some form of significance and influence. And I read this and I cannot help but wonder, why? Why would these non-Jewish dignitaries travel so far to see the king of the Jews? It's not their king someone else. Why would they go through all this effort to see someone that would not rule over them? And then when they find him, 
Why do they rejoice? Why do they bow down and worship this king that's not their king? They rejoice and they bow down and worship them. And then they lay down treasures in front of them. They give their best. Gold, frankincense, and mirror. Think about this. Why would they do this? There was nothing impressive about Mary and Joseph. They were ordinary Jews. When they entered there, they did not find them in a palace. There was nothing about their situation that was saying, they are great, they are royalty. They didn't come from any noble background. There wasn't what we couldn't perceive, any significance. They had normal lives. It's nothing spectacular. If you think about Jesus as a, as a small boy, there's nothing that Jesus can do for them here. There's no way that Jesus can reward them. There's no way that Jesus can bless them. There's nothing to gain for them in this moment. I imagine being one of those wise men and expecting a king to be born in this palace, and I pitch there, and I'm like, what? Are you guys sure this star, this couple? There's nothing significant. They could have probably pitched up at that moment and go, uh, wrong star. But they rejoice. They bow down, they worship, and they lay down their treasures. Why? They have nothing to gain from this moment. So why do they do that? See, their expression of honor to Jesus was not based on anything that Jesus has done. Jesus hasn't done anything yet. The expression of honor couldn't have been because of what he's done. They honored him for what they believed about him. And even though they didn't fully understand the significance of this young boy in front of them, even though they didn't really understand what he would do, they believed there was something on his life. They believed this wasn't just another boy being born that would be a king. They believed there was something significant about this birth. And even though they didn't know the history, even though they didn't know the prophecies of the Messiah would come, they knew and they believed there's something on his life. And because of what they believed, they honored him, even though they didn't understand it. See, if our honor and worship towards God means only being grateful for what he's done in our lives, then our thankfulness towards God is based, in a sense, on God's performance. If our honor and worship towards God is only because of what God has done, then we say our worship, our thankfulness is based on how God performed in our lives. And therefore our thankfulness towards God will always be limited to our experience of Him. See, this morning when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we celebrate the, what God has done in our church, we need to realize Thanksgiving is more than just saying Thank you for what God has done. 
It is an acknowledgement of what we believe about Him. That He is worthy to be thanked even when we don't experience something good. Saying thank you is important. But thankfulness is acknowledging what we believe about the other person. Our thankfulness is a moment of acknowledging that He is God and we are not. That He is sovereign. That He is above our understanding. That He is holy. That he's, uh, we cannot measure Him to anything else. Our thankfulness is an acknowledgement of His goodness and faithfulness that we believe, not just experience. Our thankfulness is acknowledgement that, Lord, apart from You, we're nothing. It's acknowledgement of our dependence on Him. Our thankfulness is acknowledgement of our trust in Him. And our thankfulness is a moment of humility where we become less so that He becomes more. See, being thankful towards God is nothing else than worshiping God. Not just because of what He's done, but because of what we believe about Him. And therefore we're thankful. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. Our thanksgiving is a sacrifice unto God. To say thank you God, even in the midst of difficulty. Thank you God, even when I didn't get what I was expecting. Thank you God for what you're doing. Even thank you God when I've gone through hardship. I'm being thankful as a sacrifice. Because of what I believe about you. And the birth of Jesus is a reminder to us that there's always a reason to be thankful. See, because of Jesus, Him who was in His nature God, being willing to become a man and to live a life. And, and we read from the Bible, he went through every temptation and every challenge that we go through in this life. He faced every hardship. He faced every difficulty. Jesus lost people that he loved. Jesus had to walk away from things. He lived a life that we could never live. And then he was willing to die in our place on the cross. And in that moment, he became the substitute for our sins. And God punished the sins of the world on Jesus so that we don't have to fear that punishment, so that we don't have to fear eternity. Through the death of Jesus and Him defeating the power of sin, He was resurrected into new life, and, and now He offers that new life to every one of us who choose to believe. Not just know, not just say thank you, but to believe that He is the Son of God, that He is the King of kings, and that He is the Lord of lords. And if we believe in Him, there's new life for us. And because of that new life, we can be thankful. Because we know that regardless of what we go through, regardless of the good and the bad circumstances, we are loved by God, and nothing can separate us from His love. Regardless of what might happen to this nation, you will always be, at the least, a son or a daughter of God. Regardless of what people might say about the future, you would know there's a significant and significance and purpose 
behind your life. Because God was willing to give His Son for you. Because of Jesus, there's forgiveness for our sins. And therefore, there's always the hope that He can restore lives. That He can restore relationships. We can find rest for our souls. We can experience His provision in our lives. We can experience His healing because of His victory. Because of Jesus, we have a hope in all circumstances. Think about the significance of that. To have hope in the midst of the impossible. People who don't know God go through life-threatening circumstances, financial challenges, without the hope that there's an almighty God that can do the impossible. We have the privilege of having hope in all circumstances. We have the privilege of having a peace because of the presence of God and the comfort of God, regardless of circumstances. We can experience a joy that's more than just emotions of happiness and sadness. It's a, it's a condition of our hearts because of Jesus. And because of Him, no matter what you go through in this life, you're never alone. His presence, His Spirit is always with us. Maybe we never take that for granted. Maybe we be thankful for the relationship, for His presence that we have. Maybe we be thankful that we can approach Him with confidence, that He invites us, the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth invites us into His presence. Regardless of how far you feel from God this morning, the message of the birth of Jesus says God came near. He became Emmanuel, God with us. And therefore we can draw near to Him. He removed all barriers between us and Him. That is good news. And therefore we can rejoice. And we can be thankful. See, regardless of our circumstances, what we're facing, the message of Christmas says there's always something that we can thank God for. Not just for what He's done, but for who He is. He is loving. He is sovereign. He is almighty. He is relational. He is faithful. He is the promise keeper. He is the one that will rule in eternity. And He is the one that has us in His hand. We can be thankful this morning. Not just for what He's done, but for who He is. And we want to celebrate that in a very specific way today. As this year closes to its end and we enter into this festive season, we want to stop and be thankful as a family. We say, God, we want to honor you for who you are. We're going to do that through communion because when Jesus, just before he was captured and when he would have been killed, he installed the sacrament amongst his disciples. And he said to his disciples, when I leave, I want you to continue to do this in my remembrance. And he used, he took wine and he took bread and he took bread and he broke the bread and he said, this is the reminder of my body that was broken for you. Do not forget it. There's a reason why Jesus said, I give you these symbols. Do not forget to be thankful. 
not just for what I'm doing, but for what I've already done, who I am. My body's been broken for you. Therefore, you will never face this punishment because I've taken it. He took the wine and he said, this is the symbol of my blood. My blood that was flowed, symbol of my death. But through my blood, there's healing and restoration and new life. So don't just remember my body that was broken. Remember the new life that I'm giving you. And this morning and being thankful, we're saying, God, thank you for what you've done. And thank you that we have, regardless of circumstances. Before we do this, I want to recognize this morning, it's great celebrating stuff that's awesome. It's difficult to be thankful when you don't see it. And maybe you've had a terrible year. Maybe you've gone through really difficulty, you've gone through hardship, and you've gone through maybe losing a family member. And, and this festive season is like a mountain in front of you. Some of us are looking forward. Some of us, we just want to relax and rest and stuff. But some of us, this is a harsh reminder for difficult year. Yaka, would you come and join me in the front? Is Yaka coming to the front? I want to encourage you that in this moment, you're not alone. In this moment, there might be other moments where you feel alone, where you go through difficulty, but in this moment, you're part of community. And we don't just want to celebrate, we want to be there for you as well. This morning when we prayed, Yaku specifically experienced the word, and I just wanted Yaku to share that, specifically for those of us who struggle to be thankful based on what we've experienced. Morning, family. Morning, family. Um, so as John mentioned, as we were praying this morning before the service, I saw a vision of a, of a boat that's floating on this huge ocean uh, and how the, the waves and the circumstances around this boat is just overwhelming. It's, it's as though, um, you know, some of us, and, and I get the sense that some of us feel um, that, uh, you know, we, we're having a Thanksgiving moment, but... For you, it feels like uh, you're all over the place. It's, um, it's difficult to be thankful because of circumstances and because of, um, like Jonah said, maybe, maybe someone has passed away. Maybe, maybe you've lost a loved one or there's broken relationships or maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe the circumstances is just feeling so overwhelming um, and you are like this boat um, just trying to f- stay afloat the moment there's there's no time for standing still and being thankful it's just trying to survive or trying to get through the storm Uh, and i and i sense this reminder that god is just saying but but you know what i am here i'm the anchor for you in the storm i am the anchor for you to get through this and it's for you to just draw near and put your faith and your trust in me right now and maybe this storm is so that you may draw near in the circumstances. And maybe it's a choice for you this morning to say, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. 
uh, I'm not going to trust for circumstances to change. I'm not going to trust in a new business deal or in um, maybe God doing something other than putting my faith in Jesus who reached out to me. Uh, so this morning, um, I just experienced this is a, this is a moment for us to say, if, if I have nothing, then I have Jesus as my anchor. Yes. And I'm choosing to place my trust in Him. And I'm thankful for that. So we want to respond to that. I really believe God wants to acknowledge people. And if you're that person that Yaku is speaking about, I want to ask, would you be willing to stand? It's not to expose you. There's nothing wrong in saying, I need you, God. We as a spiritual family want to gather around you. You don't have to share why. But if you want to say this morning, I'm feeling like this boat that's just being tossed to and fro. I need Jesus to be an anchor. That you, would you be brave enough to stand? gather around them let's just pray and those of you who aren't gathering around them you might know of family and friends that's going through a difficult season would you in this moment intercede for them and pray for them and let's just pray now